This is the one with the boss of the psycho space nuns. Rubbish jokeless crackers. A close shave and ears like rocket fins. Love for handles. Naked twister with gran. The old key in the wig routine. And the final ever. Return, Return of the, the crack. crack. It's called the time of the doctor. Here, Here we go. Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel sound. Dalek Cyber Zoot and wow! Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Echo Center with Ticker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who Back When? Ladies and gentlemen, and all there and thereabouts, welcome to another episode of Who Back When? A Doctor Who podcast. All together. Podcast. Nice. <laughs> In it your can, face, Drew. It can only get better from here, because <laughs> I have three wonderful co-hosts, who I like most of the time, and sitting opposite me is... Hello, it's Marie. <laughs> Huzzah! And sitting to Marie's left is... It's me, Jim. Hello. Bingo bongo. <laughs> and sitting opposite Jim is... Leon. Hello there. And I am Drew Backwen, completing the quartet. And today's <laughs> episode is... Have I already said that? Nope. N104, the time of the doctor. What a time he had. The very last Matt Smith. Oh, oh my oh. goodness. Oh, no. oh, I cried like a baby. Did you really? I did. Oh. You cry every week at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lately. I really yeah. have been, yeah. <laughs> I mainly cried when Clara cried. Oh, yeah, I cried then as well. Oh. You will stop at nothing to be Clara. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Even though she's sorry. from Lancashire. <laughs> We're on to you. <laughs> Jim, did you cry? I don't think I did, actually. I have well... you a heart of stone, man? <laughs> I think I might have done. I welled up a bit. Oh, okay. I don't think I actually cried. He tried to hold my hand while I was crying, and I just kicked him to the curb because I was <laughs> that, that seems overly harsh were you, were you watching this outdoors <laughs> no, no I opened I, our front yeah, door yeah went out the window threw it <laughs> to the street um, jazz style <laughs> yeah so sorry if that affected your ability to shed tears yeah it's hard to cry when you're being thrown onto the curb <laughs> <laughs> shall we throw ourselves into a bee scale <laughs> <laughs> yes please Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. The entire Hooniverse of belligerence is once again on tour. This time parked around a planet transmitting a cipher beam and being shielded by the Church of the Papal Mainframe, an organization with absolutely nothing to hide and absolutely no clothes to hide it with. Doc is also in orbit, being plopped in and out of various starships by handles. A cyber knockoff from the market at Maldivar, merrily mentioning pterodactyls and Slovene, with zero intention of bringing them back on screen. Meanwhile, Clara's overslept past lunchtime on Christmas Day and is trying to entertain what's left of her miserable broken family with promises of an oncoming gawky boyfriend until the turkey warms up. Exactly who is sending this indecipherable cipher and to whom? What can't Doc tell Clara about his dealings with a space pulp? And how many changes of doctors does it take for the Time Lords to have a light bulb moment? Be scout over, you are welcome. Doctor Who! Doctor Who! Is what we're reviewing today. <laughs> who voiced that, by the way? Is this a trivia point? No, because I forgot to look it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's the guy who was the Time Lord General in the last episode. Ah. Baldy guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mr. Baldy like leaves him. his mouth hanging open, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. I remember your point about it. <laughs> <laughs> also, they repeat it a great many number of times, almost a dozen times. How many times do you think they say Doctor Who in that original burst? Eleven. Eleven. Ten. Oh. oh. <laughs> they only had to do it once more. No. <laughs> so close. Well done, guys. <laughs> yeah, get it together. <laughs> Who wants to start us off with a question that isn't that question? Okay, I've got a question. Would you say that Handles is a companion? What? His name doesn't appear in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he can be. He's not, he doesn't have, like, he's... He's nobody. Yeah. He's just a machine. What? He's he's just like, uh, what's his name? The volleyball in Castaway. Yes, that's what I thought. But oh, yeah. <laughs> also, not a companion. He's all head and no trousers. <laughs> But they're friends. Are they friends? It is quite sad when he dies. I have to. Say. Is it? Yeah. Yes, Drew. It is. I thought it was sad. very sad. It's it's sad yeah. in the exact same way as when Winston Winston the volleyball. Yeah. I want to say Winston. Okay. Floats off. Oh. And Tom Hanks boilers. Winston floats. I Wait, seen what it. the shit? You haven't seen Castaway? <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> I haven't seen that film from twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to call fair game on that one. Okay. I apologise. <laughs> okay, right. someone ask a better question. Well, I, I would only say that... <laughs> and watch Castaway. Okay. I would only say that I've never felt any sentimentality for robots dying. Like, when the internet basically fell apart, when Opportunity stopped transmitting back to Earth from Mars, and like, oh, Opportunity, and like, fucking hell, it's a machine. You know, I didn't feel diddly squat for Handles, but I felt for the Doctor when mm. Handles went offline. Oh. I so if, think of that. So it feels like there is a bit of a relationship there. Yeah. A one-sided relationship. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, oh. one might argue that Winston from that film that everyone surely has watched at this point <laughs> doesn't have many lines and consequently isn't really, uh, you know, <laughs> or whatever. I didn't. Wilson. Wilson. Oh, thank you Wilson, so much. Yes. I think that's what you, you said. know this. I think that's what you said two minutes ago. Oh, really? You just changed your mind. No, I think I said Winston both. Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. He did. He did. Okay. Yeah. Better well, question. Better question. Well done, person who hasn't seen that film. <laughs> when? <laughs> Staying on this point quickly, I don't think I did get emotional because we see the Doctor losing handles while Clara is there. If they'd done that as a scene where it was just for Doctor and handles, and it was more kind of loneliness setting, then it might have hit me. Yeah. But. And then Tasha Lem's monologue kicked in, and the Doctor spent another two centuries being even lonelier than before. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would have been overkill. I think it was strong enough a moment, even with Clara there. And actually, you can see it through Clara's eyes. This like broken man who thinks this little head with no personality is his best friend. Yeah. Like that's really sad from her perspective as well. Mm, true. She's missed out this whole time. Now However, her rival is gone and yes. she can now take first place in the back doctor's in affections the game. again. In fact, <laughs> Clara comes back and Handles immediately breaks down. Is nobody suspicious? Exactly. This is what, so, so we pan around and we get to see in her hand like she's clutching a fistful of wires. <laughs> <laughs> So we've established that Clara is fake crying throughout. <gasps> what? Because she's all teary, like, oh, the doctor's lost his friend. But actually, inside, she's beaming. Uh, no, D Clara cries many, many times. And all of them, uh, with a special mention of the Christmas dinner scene with Gran. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah, oh, who she's goodness. lied to oh. earlier that day. Here's my boyfriend, my whole family. See, I don't really know. Where did the boyfriend thing come from? I enjoyed it. Yeah. I liked the uh, I liked Doctor's Ding response. Ding dong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
fantastic. But yeah, I don't really know. Well, it's because her, her, her mum or, or stepmom, I don't know. Like the, the Definitely stepmom. Yeah. Okay, so it, it's... The be- most step of mothers I have ever seen. <laughs> it's because she constantly otherwise wants to furnish her with prospective boyfriends. And in order uh, to sort of shut her up... I, like, I got like, one no, already. I, yeah, I got one, I got one. Yeah, he's great. He's... Uh, Called the doc- who introduces their boyfriend as the doctor? Yeah, <laughs> like just this naked man. This naked man is my oh my god, <laughs> my boyfriend. The I doctor. loved the twist when you realised he was still naked. I yeah. didn't, I completely <laughs> forgot that. That's fantastic. Because I I was already thinking like he's suggesting a game of Twister whilst he's moving a bit more freely than he would be normally, <laughs> but then it's revealed that everyone can see how freely he's moving, <laughs> <laughs> and it explains away Grand's extra twinkle yeah yes see i just thought she fancied him but well i mean that's definitely part of it well (laughs) i like the uh, sorry he's swedish (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was also nice to see the whole subject of the companion and the doctor potentially having a romantic involvement treated with levity rather than making it some sort of hallowed totemic thing like oh goodness are they gonna get together oh this is incredibly significant it's nice just to have it be like ah yeah they might be but they're not and so who cares and it's fun and then when they come to the truth-telling circle as well and clara comes out with a like oh i fancy him and it's so sweet and she's so mortified that she said it out loud (laughs) and like obviously she's not acting on it they're not gonna start dating but yeah why wouldn't you fancy the doctor he's great yeah and he's been fancied by so many people beforehand. He's used to exactly. it. Exactly. It's not embarrassing for him. He loves it. It's water off a dock's back. <laughs> <laughs> I love that in truth, whatever yeah. field scene, by the way. Like, what did you say your name was? Bubbly personality masking bossy control freak. I'm wearing a wig. <laughs> <laughs> the second time he says, I'm wearing a wig, is the funniest moment of the episode. <laughs> I love how much he loves his wig. Uh. <laughs> has, has Matt Smith done any comedy since Doctor Who? And if not, why oh. on earth not? Mm. That's such a good question. I'm going to look him up. Because he's done The Crown, and yep. he's moody, boring, surly Prince Philip in that. <laughs> and he's been in Terminator Genesis, and I, I very much doubt that was a barrel of laughs. Doesn't Philip have a comedic streak? Doesn't who, sorry? Not in The Crown. No. Not really. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> Yeah, because in the crowd they had to fictionalise. If they just did a top ten of Prince Philip's greatest gags, I mean that's a BuzzFeed article. So. <laughs> he has series. played Charles Manson. Uh, oh, of course! <laughs> wow. <laughs> he was in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Surely that's got to have some comedy. Yeah, presumably. And I know he's doing theatre at the moment, but again, it's a straight role. So, I mean, why, why isn't he playing to his strengths? Maybe he just has too many to indulge at any one time. I liked Matt Smith in this one. I love yeah, Matt Smith. Good. Yeah, in this one. <laughs> Only in this one? Oh. No, in all of them. In all of them. <laughs> we, we should add, by the way, just so that no one is disappointed if we don't talk enough about Matt Smith, we will follow this episode with a bonus episode as a Matt Smith retrospective, an 11th Doctor retrospective. What did we think of the wooden Cyberman? Strangely isolated. Yeah. Mate, he was the like first one to just to see whether they could get through the tech techno field. Well, we've already established that the Cybermen are are keen on evolving these days, so they'll come back with a better wooden Cyberman, unless he is the entirety of the walnut panelling from their Starship's dashboard, and they don't have (laughs) any wood left up there. I did wonder what they'd made him from. Um, I really enjoyed the Sonic moment, though, because as soon as he pointed out, it was like, huh, no, you can't use it, Sonics don't work on wood, and then that became the whole... 
Yeah, I don't. Punchline. I don't get it though. What? So, no, it's it's genius. It's brilliant. So basically, so he's, I'm in a truth circle. So everything I say to you is true. Yeah. I have reversed the polarity in your gizmo. Oh. So your gun is now no, going to no, shoot No, no, he doesn't backwards. say he's reversed the polarity. He sent a signal yes. to reverse. I've sent a signal. Yeah, he very says I sent the signal. You can check what signal has been sent, which he does. So he knows that he's telling the truth. And then he reverses it and the shoots gun himself. And shoots himself. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty clever. Very clever. Yeah, I didn't get it. I, I think a wooden Cyberman is really rather stupid even without adding flames to it and yeah <laughs> and this wooden thing as a flamethrower well because yeah the scanners are supposed to be like any technology can't get through this the screwdriver got through because it was there already but no What's other technology the cyber it's not just a yeah. metal Shitload detector yeah exactly yeah <laughs> like it has some tech it can shoot itself yeah quite a big hole in itself i just fires wooden bullets yeah and wooden lasers <laughs> Yeah. It, it's a lot of twigs being rubbed together very fast with some sort of wooden particle accelerator. <laughs> Made of wood, yeah, yeah. yeah. Aggressive woodworm. <laughs> you don't want to meet that woodworm in a dark <laughs> See, my uh, amateur podcast reviewing opinion on this would be it was bollocks. That is a valid opinion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I like thought it. the Sontaran interloping previous to that was utter bollocks. I didn't un- follow it at all. No, I... I think this whole idea that this planet is protected and there's like uh, some barrier and they can't go down there is just incredibly badly done throughout the entire episode. Because they, yeah. they're down there with tech and then half of the invisibility field just goes off. Yes. For some reason. And the doctor turns on his sonic, but we don't know what that really does. And then he clangs the inside of it. And if the doctor hadn't activated his sonic, are we to infer that the clang would have been silent? Because then it's the clang that brings down the blast from the church. It's all wait, 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 weird. wait, wait, wait. What? Wait. Exactly. What? what? No, no. Wait. When he uses the sonic to ring the bell, is that what you're referring to? Is he ringing the bell in the tower? Is well, he then not? What, does, what on earth does that tell anyone? You, wait, sorry. The bell you... means there's a Centauran ship right there. Wait. Coordinates. Let's say they use the three-word thing in the future: Tropicana, Mekong, Cider. Boom. S- saying what I'm saying. Got on, boss. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm thinking of a different thing. I don't know. He's, he's allowed to make tech, right? Yeah, he is, but we have to understand in some way how it's working. Okay, you know Back to the Future Part 3. We've got... Yes, sadly, yes. Doc Bra- it's good. Shut up. Yeah. Doc Brown. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not as clever There's as the There's a flying one. train. Come on. <laughs> I mean, that is great, but I, I can never forgive great-grandpappy McFly, and we've talked about this before. <laughs> My sperms are tingling around him. No, wait, he's Irish. My sperms are tingling around him, so they are. That's what we said last time, and I remembered. So Doc Brown is in the Wild West, which technologically I feel is on par with Trenzalore, with the town called Christmas. Mine is the truth field. Hmm. But is wait, is that a technological thing, or is that... I took that... Oh, I didn't take that to be a technological thing. I took that to be just a phenomenon of this planet. It's some, no, it's something that the Gallifreyans are seeping it through the crack. Oh, okay. All right. So it's not the Trenzalorians doing. It's, no. it's Time Lord technology. I That's, withdraw my challenge. I, I'm fine with that. <laughs> and then if you are... Doc Brown in the Wild West would also have been able to construct... Well, he was able to construct all manner of things. A right? flying so, train. There you go. So so why, why wouldn't... This. I, I, I'm, I'm but being... what does the doctor do? 
Exactly. The Doctor doesn't do anything. He, he doesn't invent stuff. No, he does. He makes a... Well, he doesn't necessarily invent the stuff, but he uses technology. He, he makes, makes a barn bigger on the inside, yeah. for example. He Plus, adds anti-grav things to one of the toy trains, which, by the way, Doc Brown, hello, hello. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but isn't this just to help the everyday lives of the village folk? This isn't, yeah. this isn't the defense of the town this oh wait is that the argument i thought the argument that you were making is that he can't have any technology on no no planet, no well, i was specifically saying it's inexplicable or unexplained how the Santarans land the doctor just much like in a town oh i see unleashes his sonic because he's detected them how we're never told and the sonic does what we're never told and the Santarans are like i got the feeling something's up no it's not clang boom is it just a sonic moment is it just one of those oh well this magic wand can do anything well if so that is the minute you should lose from this 61 minute episode it's pointless it's lazy yeah i love this episode <laughs> see i i really like this episode but it, it just bothers me that the setup of it just isn't very well put together the idea that he's stuck on this planet okay and it's protected and technology can't be there and all of the bad guys we really, really fear are just hovering around. And yet the, the very combination of it is a massive Dalek spaceship coming right down to the surface of the planet and going, ah, we're going to shoot you, but we're not going to shoot you. But they shoot at everything but the doctors. Yeah. Okay, hang on. Something that we haven't pointed out at all is that this is a Christmas special. Mm. Yeah. And we have on, on a number of occasions on Who Back When said that Christmas specials have a particular license to... Maybe stray from, you know, logic. They can allow themselves to be a little bit more charming. That is when we question, perhaps, the concreteness of their place in the canon. This episode has all of the canon. It establishes boatloads of canon. Wait, I don't, wait, do you dispute the canonical nature of prior Christmas specials? I don't. They're all canonical. I think Drew's point is more that this is the culmination of a lot of story threads. This, is, this isn't just a Christmas episode that stands alone and you go, oh, it's a Christmas one. This is like Matt Smith's send-off. This is the silence being brought back with the crack, with, with the people mainframe all the things that have just yeah. happened before that, that is true didn't quite understand yeah and the resetting of the regenerations yeah. and the number of doctors it's taken to get there explaining exactly how you have reached the end of those first cycle i think we need to have a, co- a whole conversation about the number of doctors by the way but, but let's put a pin in that maybe and, and return to it yeah i was going to add to the previous point about the planet being under attack and shield and everything. We spent half the episode saying that the Doctor definitely couldn't leave because everyone would attack and then burn the planet. It would be terrible. And then there's just another few centuries of all-out siege. So it's like, we must keep the shields in place because if we do, the planet's going to be burnt to a crisp in seconds. And then there's 300 years pass and everybody's fighting away. And it's not like the Doctor is stopping everybody fighting away. He's... I don't know, I don't know what he's doing. It doesn't, it doesn't hang together for me. No, I, I have a note quite late on saying doc's leaving this a bit late really to like because you kind of wonder is he going to say his name at one point at some point he's going to go all these people are going to die like everyone's just going to get killed and he's going to have to say his name and just kick up kick off another war probably otherwise what's the point i think and then it's just how many people must have died trying to protect this village why do they not move away is the is the worry (laughs) that yeah while it's contained the only people that are dying is of people that are on this planet whereas as soon as he unleashes the Gallifreyans they will then spread out across the universe and it becomes a universe-wide thing again like the first time war was 
and so every like life itself becomes endangered whereas at least he's keeping it isolated to this one spot but yeah, what that, those that would, lucky people that would then cause the start of the time war right that's that's it's it's like the cycle of the time war. well it would be the time war part two they've already had no, the it would, like this would be the time war that's how i took it to be like this is because they're transmitting this message through all of time and space, like all of time, including the time before the time war. Mm. I mean, yes, that is true. But this is the planet as it was hidden after the last day of the time war, when oh. all the Daleks were supposedly blown up because Gallifrey disappeared from within their midst. It'd be a hard thing to do, but would the sensible thing to do if you were the Doctor be to just let this planet get blown up and lock the Gallifreyans in a pocket universe forever? So you never get to see them, but they live... Well, would they be locked in the pocket universe forever? Exactly. Because oh. we have had many previous discussions on the nature of a crack in space and time. If you take the wall away, is it not just still a gash in reality? And without I, a wall. I, haven't, it, I was going to ask the same question. So you but destroy with the planet... But there's still there's still a crack in space. The, cr- the crack shows up in space crack. at the yeah, end of this episode. It moves around again. It was in in Amy Pond's room. It's like it's all over the place. Yeah. But okay, so I was going to ask the same question, but for a different reason. Why would his name uttered into the crack, Barry, <laughs> <laughs> then sort of unleash the Time Lords? Because this was this was going to be my question as well. Because at the point where they're listening in, they can hear. Is it just to Clara. convince them that that's the Doctor? Well, this is what he is said. He convinced at the end. He said it's it's yeah to convince them that I'm telling the truth. This is why they put the the truth wall on. Yeah. It's only I know my name, so only I can say it. So you know it's him, and you know it's safe. So it's like this key for them to come back and oh everything's fine now, and you can come back and just live on this side. And we've got rid of the danger, which is why this is why I kind of came around to thinking they haven't come through yet because he hasn't told them it's safe to come through. But when Clara talks to them, like they believe her, they know it's the doctor. He's been living there for 300, 500 years by that point, I think. And um, yeah, and they have no knowledge of Clara and they don't. Yeah. And they, they still never come through. It feels like, wouldn't they just come through anyway by this point? Like yeah, what are they exactly. waiting for? Or just, all right, wait. So that is, the, that's where the doctor is. It's not safe to go out there. Let's go out elsewhere. Let's go out on the opposite end of the galaxy. Yeah. Cause they can move the cracker. Around. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. There are so many of these questions that are going to come up no, in this episode. No, so many. I was really hoping no one would have anything negative to I, say. I, you know what? I don't, care, I don't care about any of these negative shenanigans because I've already written down my rating. Is it higher than last week's rating? I don't remember what I gave last you week. You gave it a 5.0. Okay, well, it's not higher than last week's rating. <laughs> Leon is peeping into the universe of this review from through a crack from outside of reality where he'll just live in his own little pocket bubble <laughs> of 4.7 what to see. <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Hey, no predictions. Uh, <laughs> so what is the Doctor's game plan? This yeah. is, this this, is, yeah, what, bothers this is what bothers me. Yeah, eventually he knows he's going to die at this point. As soon as he dies, then the planet is blown up anyway. But what matters is that generation after generation of Trenzalorians know nothing but war. Yeah. And they're all going to be wiped out. He's not saving people. He's not relocating them to a different planet that's not in a war like, zone. Shouldn't he just fuck off to the other end of the universe and get everyone to chase him? Because they're going to go, no, we're going to steal the Doctor and somehow get him to say his name through the crack. Couldn't he think of something clever to or do not, whereby he makes everyone think that he is left? I mean, he spirits his TARDIS to the planet. He has an extra key in his wig. Like he- yeah, for a guy who can't so why lend to or leave the planet, he does a lot of both. Yes, 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 exactly. 
Wait, I just realized I've been stupid though, because his his gambit is that yeah, people don't want him to say his name, and he stays there th- on on the, the threat, threat that he will say his name and yeah. bring the Galatrons back. Yeah, but that but. that depends on blowing up the planet, making a shit of difference to the crack, which we've already deconstructed. Mm. And he could just go to any crack anywhere in the universe, whisper into it. Okay, put Barry. a <laughs> put a truth field around this crack, then whisper Barry into that crack, <laughs> and then the Gallifreyans would show up there. I I took it to be that this is the only this is the only crack you can't just find a. It's not the only crack. crack. Matt Smith is naked for the first ten minutes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, th- sorry, please sorry, you've thrown me completely. I've just, I've just gone, I'm just picturing Matt picture Smith now. Else, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Cracks. It's not the only crack. Yeah, they can't just go somewhere else. I don't know. I'm but we that. have seen <laughs> the same crack all across space yeah, and time. Yeah. I'm still picturing Matt Smith. But it's still... <laughs> <laughs> he's so floppy when he's naked. We first saw his crack in the 11th hour. This is a very nice symmetry. Oh, that's true. Ooh, nicely book ending it. Mm, buttock ending it. He's so floppy in the TARDIS. He's just like, oh, look, look how naked I am. <laughs> With his arms, Jim. Oh, right. And his upper body. And That's not the motion Leon. <laughs> Do you think we'll ever find out about his imaginary robot ex-boyfriend? <laughs> I mean, there's an audio drama waiting to be written there. <gasps> I imagine yes. it already has been, oh, but we can add it to the pile. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm copy-pasting it right now to my list. <laughs> <laughs> can we talk about the Doc aging? Certainly. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but during Matt Smith's tenure as the Doctor, he has a, at least 200 years. It says in this episode, this body's centuries old. Yeah, he's been yeah. rocking yeah, this true. for a few hundred years. The whole, late, yeah. the whole late Silencio thing, with there being two versions of a Doctor. Yeah, one's 900 of them. Yeah, there is a 200-year gap between those two versions yeah. of a Doctor. Yeah. And yeah. I think he's up to 1,200 at this point, so yeah. we could say about 300. But As then he's today. on Trenzalore for 300 years. In a war zone, Jim, it's hard on the soul. It's but, so it is this that's only the first half. That's, that's until the TARDIS comes back the first time. But he's noticeably older. Yes. Which he, he has trapped. never been noticeably older before. Is this, is this what is war true. does? Because we, we commented on this with the war doctor. Where we see a young version of the war doctor and then suddenly he's John Hurt as an old man. But how long does he spend in the, in the time war? I don't think we knew. But I mean, are we talking centuries or are we talking millennia? In a time war, you're going to struggle. Yeah, that's true. But on that point, I mean, that's, that's certainly a, a case where one life of the doctor ages visibly. Same, but the doctor refers however to... However long that took, kind of the same thing here, right? But the doctor refers to his age or his, her age as an entity of over the regenerations as well, being like 1,200 years yeah, old, 1,500 oh, years old. Oh, that is true, yeah. And John Hurt's war doctor isn't big enough in amongst that to... to fit, yeah, yeah, that's true. I think they just, oh, yeah. they're being a bit weird with aging lately. Yeah. And there is a maximum limit on how much Smith ages here. Because Capaldi is 2,000 years old. Oh, right. So... Paul McGann's eighth doctor in the audiobook Orbis spent (laughs) something like 800 years on the planet Orbis. I was going to ask you about that in relation to the doctor's maybe about 800 year stay here as well. Is there a parallel? Possibly. How do they do do it? What? On Orbis? Yeah. I don't remember. (laughs) Sorry, I can't help you. 
now that I think about it, it's possible that a year on Orbis is shorter than a year. Oh, okay. Uh, it might be something like that. And McGann doesn't come back sounding noticeably older or anything. No, absolutely not. No, no, he's like completely unchanged. And it, he doesn't it, go through an age reversing machine at the n- end. No, the only thing that's visibly different about McGann, as I recall, is that at the at the visibly far different end, in an audiobook. No, not visibly. <laughs> noticeably different. Apologies, apologies. Noticeably different at the end of his let's call it eight hundred year stretch on Orbis is that much like Tom Hanks in Castaway, he he's sort of <laughs> and his good friend Wilson. <laughs> he's sort of. De- socialized he's no longer accustomed to a human companion and therefore he's like oh acts a little weird around his companion that's the only difference mm. but no i don't think he's older in any way as mm. in you know age oh what you know what i'm saying because the other part of this was church lady tasha lem is it yeah yeah yep. she is kicking around after 300 years mm. and my original note is how the fuck is she around still you know is there maybe there's a time warp around the crack in the wall? So maybe time is it some time dilation thing, and it's going faster on the planet. I like it. But no, the explanation we get is she's against aging. And oh, that, and then it turns out that she's been Dalekified anyway. But yeah, but you'd, I don't know how long ago she was Dalekified. That seems to be no. yeah. But the doctor isn't weirded out by this. He doesn't go, "How have you not aged three hundred years?" Yeah. yeah, and the Daleks invaded three days prior to his last shipment of marshmallows being delivered to him mm. or him coming to pick it up so she definitely has three centuries dalek free up there to mm-hmm. just be against aging but I'm does, fine with it. that does tie into later on how she can just be against the daleks and just resist them taking her over completely that to me mm. feels like a christmas miracle which i am perfectly happy to accept in a christmas special me too however me too Leon. however <laughs> yes grinch <laughs> She's resisted. Yeah. And then the doctor says something like, come with me or do something. And she says, no, I can't. I can't fight the Dalek inside me. It's waking up. So she can't hold it off for long, but then she can. For she a can. While. When he, what does he do? He offends her womanhood or something. It's he, very much like, he makes, he says, he makes you're her a angry. woman. You and your pointless church. Why did I ever rely on you? Yeah. I think he makes her jealous. Because he, he looks at her and he's like, uh, see, that's a real woman. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, about- no, no, no. That is a woman. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just he makes her angry by making her jealous because clearly there's some prior romance between those two, mm-hmm. right? And th- the second she gets, yeah, the, the second she gets so aggravated by this, it's so like primal thing comes out and overwhelms the Dalek. In exactly, her. Mm. yeah. Yeah, I get that. But then it's the point that she says, I can't fight it. It's going to come back. And then it just doesn't. There's a lot of false well, we jeopardy it, but and we peril. Don't see it. Maybe, maybe it does. Yeah. And then she just fights it back again. In which well, maybe case, it does after we cut away from her. Maybe. I mean, you're being very charitable to the off-screen dynamics going on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever fall out from this, which bothered me, is that this is the papal mainframe. This is like the heart of this church military. Mm-hmm. It's been invaded by the Daleks, and yet, up to two scenes later the church military people are still protecting the planet yeah the ones oh. on the planet haven't been invaded only the ones in the ship well i feel like if the daleks invaded that they could probably go and do what the hell they want and give orders to do what the hell they want and like yeah everybody stand down yeah we won and then but they're, they're lulled big, and then the daleks kill off all the rest while they're, they're big spouts out of the coming out of their heads you're not 
convincing them that they're... They have spouts coming out of their heads when they want to look scary, but a lot of the time they're just disguising them. You know what? That but happened too abruptly for my She's test. not acting like a Dalek before the spout comes out. No, no, that's true. I think she she's in control run... until it takes she's over. She's unaware that she died until all of a sudden yeah. she remembers it. Yeah. I died in this room screaming your name. Yeah, and then, oh... Oh, that's right. I don't, that, that's a fantastic scene, by the way. Yeah, but I think I that, that the, if I'm going to say one negative, actually, you know, I, I can maybe say- <gasps> Don't do it, uh-huh. Leon. Don't do it. I can think of, off the top of my head, I think three negative things in this episode. And one of them is that the initial forehead ice dog thing of the people in the corridor, just outside of mm. Tasha Lem's office, that happened way too abruptly. Yeah. Like we don't get that, the lead up. When we get Tasha Lem's lead up, like the, the lead up to her- forehead sprouting an ice dog that's the level of tension and like taking your time with it that we yeah. should have had from the get-go but instead we just have like oh zoom 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 oh okay well now we like clearly and then by ten the time, means everyone's a dollar by the time hers happens it's like we already, we already know. know it's we coming already yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah no you're right the scene is just entirely unnecessary tasha lem could have carried everything through the words yeah. she was saying we sh- we should have skipped the v- uh, seeing anything about the people outside yeah. that's yeah. it yeah yeah, but that's a jump scare, and you get to see one come out of a silence's forehead. That was quite and good. They could have otherwise, done that you're afterwards. never going. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Just done the other way around. Also, recut it, recut it. Yeah. What's the guy's name? The guy who played Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood needs to recut this episode and put it on YouTube. Oh, what did he recut before? Uh, I want to say it was Star Wars: Phantom Menace. Really? I think. Yeah, yeah. Bing bong, future Leon here. Nope, no, he didn't. Bing bong. They, like that actor, Elijah Wood. Yeah, yeah. For funsies, I think okay. he recut it. Oh, I think so. If I'm completely mistaken about that, I'll just cut this bit <laughs> out of the episode. Bing bong, me again. I was actually thinking of Topher Grace rather than Elijah Wood. Topher Grace recut all of the prequel movies into one single 85-minute movie. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Okay, back to the show. Bing bong. I was going to say, wasn't there a previous instance of this happening in Forest of the Dead, Silence in the Library, where someone says about how they die and then suddenly it's, yeah. oh, they're dead. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly the same, right? No, it's, isn't it the... Because that's the, the Who Turned Out the Lights one. Yeah, the Nash yeah. Parada. No, no, it, no ha- this happens in the, asi- the other Clara. The Asylum, the Daleks Asylum. Y- no, the... Oh, yes, Asylum of the Daleks. Yeah. Is, is it that one? Yeah, I think well, so it is. The first yeah. time we get Clara, but... Not we don't know it's Clara. Yeah, yeah. No, no, someone oh, someone says that in that episode. I am yes, exactly. Certain. It's random guy that Amy meets on the surface. Yes, <gasps> it he, is. He said oh, so creepy. And I died. I mean, they're oh, like, that's weird. I they're died. like ske- yeah. skeletons. They're the zombified Dalek. Yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. what I ended up. Holy mm. moly, that is a good. Being that is an awesome spaceship. scene. Yeah. Yeah. So the exact yeah. same thing has happened before. And I think there's an even earlier echo of that in the silence in the yeah room. yeah because it's not the Daleks, but it's the same idea that someone's dead and doesn't yeah. and, but still conscious is yeah it's the, that, the, dead, e- the echoes the, that they get in the there who turned uh, out the lights yeah oh wait he's dead in there yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah or she wasn't it the possibly yeah i was gonna say the bimbo <laughs> and, and um the angels as well with the bob oh, yeah. bob angel takes over the body oh bob yeah angel oh yes angel bob oh, yeah. it is angel bob right. yeah. wait, wait 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 remind me who's angel bob he takes over um <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I'm dead, sir. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The angels killed me, sir. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, you're right. It just keeps happening. (laughs) How do you feel about the inclusion of the angels in this one? I liked it. But where did they go? Yeah. They were outside of the sphere, so they couldn't get in. Oh. See, (laughs) I mean, that's a good answer. In my head, I don't know if they ever made this happen, but there was a sphere around the whole planet, and then. Which halfway through the episode 
is dissolved. Okay. <laughs> and then there's like a little spear around this town so Christmas is protected so there are things on the planet so the angels are somewhere else on the planet but they can't yeah and the doctor knows the, they're there so yeah. he would take care of them exactly well he did with the mirror yeah yeah that's right he wrote the doc was here or something on a mirror and there's an angel looking at itself in a mirror oh yeah yeah see that I liked and it's a bigger part of everything that's going on I, th- I think when they introduced the angels and they're in the snow i just i just didn't buy it as much it's, it felt a bit more of yeah we, we're gonna put the angels in here and then yeah it sort of, didn't have a massive impact this is the very last of the matt smith era let's put all those uh, creepy crawlies that actually yeah. wait it wasn't even a matt, angels aren't even a matt smith alien really well, he's had a few episodes. He has, he's yeah, no, that's true. First that one. is true. Yeah. Maybe he's had, he's had the most. He has had more, yeah. Yeah, yeah but they're probably yeah. mostly shit. But, oh, but, <laughs> yeah. I, oh, but I liked it. I liked all the little references to things like throughout his yeah. years. Agreed. So it was, it was nice. There will be a large section of podcast land going, another episode where the Cybermen do nothing. Yeah. Yep. Also true. Well, they helped him with the Zyber head. Yeah. Was very useful. Yes. Oh yeah, Winston. Handles, handles, and handles. I did like. I liked the first scene with handles, and when he was like, "Remind me about that," and then he immediately told him. Oh, when? that was funny. When? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was his? What was he reminding him of? Something about the phone. The to rewire the, the phone back into the console. Yeah. Not remembering where this was going, I figured. Okay, well, there's certainly going to be a reference to yeah. this later on, but I figured. Oh no, how do we solve this t- situation? This is like the act two crescendo. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? In steps Wilson, who just repeats that reminder. It's like, that's how we fix the situation. Doc's going to save the day, thanks to By patching, patching the in. Phone. The- exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't It doesn't have any bearing on anything, does it? Cut to the next uh... episode, Capaldi picks up the phone. It's like, oh, that doesn't work. I'm like, what a fucking <laughs> stupid thing. I'll just buy a new one. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that. Because it ends up being his last line. It's yeah. Remind, I agree. Remind him of a doctor. Yeah. Yeah, that is nice. Hmm. There's another thing that I thought was going to go somewhere but didn't, which is when Gran is telling the story of how she got <gasps> together with Granddad. Yeah. And it's not the story she's ever told Dad. Yeah. No. And I thought that was going to in some way be the Time Lords are changing the future or the present or the past or whatever is going on. And we'll get that explained as to why she told Clara a completely different thing. Yeah. But maybe they just thought that's too complicated. And especially because there was such a big deal about Clara's mom and dad getting together and that being um, like this one moment in time that changed the entire course of history. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, the grandparents are going to have a similar, like the same story, but like even better. And yeah, it was a very sweet moment though. I did. That was the bit that made me really well up because Clara's all oh. devastated and the grandma's like lovely twinkly horny grandma lovely twinkly <laughs> yeah um, horny but i grandma. think she sees that clara because i think the the pigeon story is like a comedy they were like oh tell a joke grandma oh yeah tell us the pigeon story oh and um and then this is like the real story and it's really emotional and heartfelt and sweet and she sees how vulnerable clara is and she knows that she needs some emotion and and it's her being there for a granddaughter. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I've already written my little mini review for the rating section. And I refer to this and it, it, thank you for pointing that out. I had not gotten that. <laughs> so <laughs> I just made it up. It might not be true. I may refer to this incorrectly later on tonight. <laughs> I think you're spot on, Marie. Mm. I think so too. Let's come back to the Doctor and Gran a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We have said in previous episodes, I think 
closing time, perhaps. The Doctor arrives in present-day Britain and acts completely clueless. Like, he doesn't know what's going on. And we're like, Doctor, you've been around for 50 years at this point, intimate knowledge of Earth society, what's going on? And now he doesn't know that turning up naked at Christmas dinner isn't the done thing. I think he's he I think he temporarily forgot. Yeah. Think he can see his clothes, he can see Clara's clothes, they're wandering around, fully dressed, and then I think it twigs and he's like, Oh shit, I should extend this field. I would I would buy that if there were just a hint of embarrassment on his face. <laughs> oh, he doesn't get embarrassed. He no. likes his body. His oh, absolutely. Floppy it's, body. He also re- <laughs> Especially this doctor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And he, he also th- really likes the gran. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The attention is low. handsome. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But that also ties into the doctor being clueless in other parts of the episode where he comes into a ship which is full of suspiciously familiar roundels mm. up and down every column and pillar yeah. and he's like who's out there I've got a Dalek head for the first one to show their face oh dear and then there are cyber decals in the next ship and he does exactly the same thing and then later on he says well if only the time lords weren't on the other side of that crack I'd have a chance at getting some extra lives oh a shame that'll never happen <laughs> how thick are you in one week yeah I'd like to point out that Marie shouted at the telly <laughs> when the doctor couldn't realize that it was a dalek spaceship <laughs> did i <laughs> sorry another thing actually i thought was going to have more meaning was handles saying i've developed a fault which oh, yes. he says very early on and then says 300 as years a- later yeah as he's actually yeah. developed a fault and is closing down but yeah it's nothing I thought it was going to be some prescient thing that, you know, a repeated line. We don't even get the doctor going like, well, if you'd only told me sooner, I could have fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's to make you think, ah, he might survive this scene. And yeah. then it heightens the tragedy when they loosely, when it turns out that actually this time the fault is terminal. Like when you check engine lights on and you ignore it for years and then one day it's in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. In the absence of Clara, he gains not just one new companion in Wilson's, he gains a whole town's worth of companions. He particularly seems to develop a a sort of grandfatherly relationship with all the kids Mm. in this town, which is also another indication to me this is a Christmas, like a family-friendly Christmas episode. How do you feel about that? Because that is rife with references to other who and just... Him as this lovable clown. I, I liked him dancing with the kids. It was a silly his giraffe <gasps> yes. dancing. Oh, my bang, oh, my bang. I'm a giraffe. Yeah. Ooh, look at <laughs> like, we don't know what a giraffe is. No. <laughs> it's this thing I do for you. <laughs> it's the dance he does at Amy and Rory's wedding. Yeah. Yes. Yes, oh, exactly. Which is a yeah. lovely reference. Oh, thank I you thought. for explaining that. Yeah. Super duper Matt Smith really dance. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And in his... In his, I, I guess, his home, which he's built, he's fashioned right around the crack. Yeah. It, the walls are just... Chock-a-block with all the drawings and things. Yeah, the of and... him with the TARDIS. They've never seen the TARDIS at this point, so presumably he's told them all these stories. There are pictures of... I saw pictures of the Rachnos. I saw pictures of uh, possibly Alpha Centauri or something else, like a monocular alien. There's a Punch and Judy show with a doctor fighting another monocular yeah. alien, so presumably also based on stories of his adventures. Yeah, but it's only Ten who had an issue with Van. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really sweet. And it is sweet. But it's then lovely. as well, it's really sad when he's... Because he latches onto this one boy. What's his name? Bar- Barnable. Barnable. Um, which I assume is this young boy that's like hiding behind the TARDIS. Yeah, I think so. After the first, 
he's like three after three is it 300 years or is that the second time it's the first time the first time and then the and second then, yeah, time is some scion of barnable 200 years later he's like are you barnable and the guy's just like no, no. barnable died like two centuries ago yeah, yeah. horribly <laughs> yeah um and but it's because sort of, of you oh. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. was run over by a suntaran tank you fucking monster <laughs> <laughs> But I just think it's really sweet that he's like he's forged these connections and then they haven't lasted, obviously. And and it just reinforces as well this is why he kept sending Clara away, which was really hard and really heartbreaking. Yeah. But he was doing it to save To her. avoid a Highlander situation. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think it, it bugs me a bit that there are all these people here. <laughs> and How so? And that he, he isn't trying to just stay away from them. He is still making connections. Yeah. And, and why don't they move to a sunnier part of the planet that gets more than three minutes a day? <laughs> yeah. Like, why, why does he let these people stay here? There are troops coming and going from this planet. Why don't they take all the civilians out of the war zone? Yeah, because a bunch of them are in front of the tower at the end. And they have, thing, they have garden equipment. They have hoes. Yeah, he possibly never, rakes. He never. This is what I was saying earlier. He never does anything technologically that helps them fight. But they are fighting. It's only thanks to Clara's intervention at the end that people survive that Dalek attack. Yeah, I mean that when the Doc is just r- exploding with regeneration energy, it's just incredibly fortunate that the entire town isn't decimated yeah. and everyone dies that the enormous dalek ship doesn't just plummet onto oh the my city yeah. goodness what happens what happens to the ship is it just disintegrate like i mean yeah. chunks of dalek spaceship must be raining down on everybody we, we see the little attack ships remnants raining down but not the yeah. fucking billion ton monster mothership <laughs> But there's a whole wave that emanates from the Doctor, which is enough to knock Daleks in half. Ah, a strong breeze! (laughs) It's ridiculous. And Clara ushers six people into a building. It's like, what about everyone else? It's it's like everyone who was stood out in the open just dead now. That is super (laughs) duper true. Very valid point. But I gotta say... Very nice animation, and I loved it. <laughs> but it was a very nice. I mean, it was a nice effect when when we pan out to super duper far away, and the snow in like this shock wave of, like, of snow being boom. exactly yeah. It's yeah. very Lord of the Rings. Yeah, very much so. Will you return to the rule of reason in time for Capaldi's run? Because Capaldi would not be impressed with you, right? <laughs> that is the meanest thing you've ever said. <laughs> Capaldi judges you. Um, do you? think that the like the reason he stayed and the reason there's no, like he's not having the technology is due to the fact that he doesn't have his TARDIS so he has no means of getting away or do you think even if the TARDIS had come directly back that is this just his plan just to wait out until he dies I think it is his plan I think he says as much that to Clara that he's kind of made a plan to stay and, and then he makes a little sub note of, and obviously the TARDIS wasn't here, so it made it a bit easier. Because she's immediately, she's like, right, okay, now you've got your TARDIS, we can work our way out of this, we can find a solution, let's change everything. And he's so, like, he doesn't even want to consider it. Just so resolute in what's yeah. going to happen. This is what I don't get. Like, his plan is to stay there until he dies. Yeah. And, and then, then everything gets fucked up. And then, yeah, yeah. you yeah. can't control anything. Yeah. There's no long-term plan. No. Like it's a 500 year plan, but... Yeah, but it's not, that's, that's not long term enough. <laughs> no. Does that, by not the way, does that mean of... that there are... I mean, everyone who's up in space, who's waging war on this little town... Slitheen! Terry Leptine or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Terry Leptils <laughs> Terry and, and Daleks and, and... Terry Nation. They have all died... They've and, gone and through generations. Generations, yeah, yeah, exactly. At no point do people go, 
wait, why are we doing this again? <laughs> Nobody knows. It's become my, like my urban great, legend. My great great grandparents yeah. started this war. <laughs> we lived like generations that lived and died on the ship, and they've never seen home, and they don't know what they're fighting for, but they have to continue. Yeah. yeah. Well, and at no point does one of them, probably the Daleks, turn around and go. You know what? Let's just fuck up the Cybermen instead. <laughs> and a massive yeah. war just rages in the space above the planet. Yeah, it's just a planet being shielded, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. What prevent? Wait. Oh, so wait. The planet is shielded. So, because I was going to say, what prevents them from just blowing up the planet from above? Well, yeah. after halfway through the episode, nothing. Yeah. This is this is the bollocks part of it. Is that by the end of it, everyone's landed. The whole spaceship is above the planet, so they could have done whatever the fuck they wanted at any point, basically. They so Doc says, um, right on his like deathbed, he says, like even now they're too afraid to kill me. Like they they think he's got something up his sleeve. Exactly. Yeah. They've waited this long. That I don't know. Yeah, but, but then he says. Well, it's all gone now, boys. I'm old. Might as well just shoot me. And they continue to shoot everything. Yep. <laughs> I guess it's just so ingrained in them by now. There's force of habit. But it's not because they've only just remembered what the Doctor is, as gets established in this episode. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, everything crying is... Crying out loud. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> yeah, well, no, everything is relative. No, but up until that point, he was defending himself. And then after that point, they've got all the, they've got all of the prior knowledge that they've been missing all these years. Oh, and, and they, they know, know that the Doctor lies. He can't lie. He's in a truth box. Oh, bloody hell. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to make this episode good and it's impossible. Oh, (laughs) It's really annoying because there's so many problems with it, but I I definitely enjoyed watching it. It, Overall, it was fun and I liked it and the acting was great, but there are so many problems. Don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Clara is awesome in this though. She really is. She really, really is. There's a whole scene where she's trying to basically say to the doctor, you've saved so many lives. How about you save your own? Bloody marvellous. The, the, when they're first reunited and after 300 years and she's not even talking to him and he's very angry with her. Cheesy as balls. But I bought it. Yeah. I liked it. They're so full of verve. The bit that I really, I liked in terms of like acting was really good, but I hated because it was, it was so upsetting was when she, she said, um, turn to me with those like big sad eyes and tell me you'll never make me leave again. Oh, you'll never leave me again. Mm. And he promises not to. And you um, know, oh, he's going to break this promise. You no, know he's immediately going to do it. And yeah. I can't believe that she believes him. It's so trusting of her. And so lovely. And she's, oh, and then it's so sad when she just opens the doors again and she's back home again. I was surprised by the boldness of that line. Yeah. And how that doesn't affect her trust for him after no. one shot, apparently. Does, wait, wait, what does he... How does he... In this truth field, what does he say? Well, he's in the TARDIS, so I assume that he can... Oh, I yeah. see. I wasn't sure if he was playing a, li- a little bit loosey-goosey with the word again. Oh. So he promises never to send her away Again, yeah, I'll do it now, but I can never he's do it. Already in the motion of sending he's her doing, away. Yeah. yeah, it's in process. Yeah. Can't be undone because he, do, he does definitely linger on that word. You're yeah. right. Yeah, and then um, the other scene that really killed me was when um, the TARDIS lands again on Christmas Day, and Clara is she's in the process of being devastated and having this lovely conversation with her gran, and she's all teary eyed, and then she hears that noise. Yes, and she's like. <gasps> He's here. He's back. We can do. We can do this. We can save the day. She grabs the cracker. She runs like gleefully to the TARDIS to go and like see him. And then it's it's not him. It's and that's freaking Tasha Lem. Oh my god, that was so heartbreaking. I was like, if it's not him flying the TARDIS, what does that mean? Does that mean he's died already? Like what? Has she missed it? And that's Dalek Tasha Lem, by the way, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, but she's not in Dalek form. She doesn't have the spine. Yeah, she's repressing the Dalek yeah, form. Yeah, exactly. Again, yeah. 300 years into the repression that could break at any minute, but she's doing fine. The Dalek comes and goes. I'm fine with that, Drew. I am fine <laughs> with that. I am fine with that. I will never be fine with that. The runaway bride. We have a, like, a... a Killer Christmas tree. Fine with it. No, no, no. Christmas okay, okay. Episodes. Let me let me bring in a much more relevant example, which is in Rise of the Cybermen: Age of Steel, where the woman who is just I was doing my duty, and a tear of oil comes down her face, and we're like, how can she resist that? That's ridiculous. No one's ever been able to do that. That ruins the whole concept of cybers taking over humans, and she just resists because. An exception is made, and she can, and whatever. And the exception similarly is made here, with no real justification for it. I mean, she's the space pope, so I suppose power. Well, we have we have criticised the phenomenon, the trope of love conquers all, mm. and blah blah blah, on on numerous occasions. But if if it's going to work in any situation, surely it's the love of the doctor that's going to conquer no, all. No, love does not conquer all. I just think that... Damn it, I thought you were on my no, side, No, I am Marie. on your side, but for a different reason. Um, I just think that when the, um, the Daleks aren't in control the whole time, like she's still walking around doing her thing, and then when the Dalek spike comes out, that's the Dalek being a Dalek, and the rest of the time it's not... Like, it's not like this constant battle. Sometimes the Daleks are just dormant. They have to sleep too. Yeah, but surely, sure, no Daleks don't have to sleep. And P.S., <laughs> while she's piloting the TARDIS, is that not the perfect time for the Daleks to go, now we have the TARDIS off the Doctor? But they're dormant. They don't know what's going on. They're just... Uh, that's terrible, Marie. That's mm. terrible. The, the Doctor's <laughs> number one baddies who have systematically defeated every other fucker who bothered to turn up at this point just turns terrible. I'm not buying it. <laughs> Every other fucker. Really wish I could remember the other episode that they're in, these um, Dalek invasive nanite things. The Asylum of the Daleks. Yeah. Because I think they do establish what they're capable of. But oh. they they definitely lean on the fact that they use the human like consciousness and memories yeah. quite a bit. They, it's know, like infiltration. A, infiltration is yeah. definitely the key. So there is a lot of the humans still there. It's not like a Cyberman where they've scooped everything out. Yeah. So I, I, I actually don't mind that too much. I won't bring it up again. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Tasha Lem head off to Earth after this, meet up with the worst companion ever, Adam Mitchell, the guy who oh. put a plug in oh. his forehead, and then those two can have forehead, like, bonathons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> she just extends her eye stalk <laughs> into his forehead hole. Be fantastic. Someone please send us a drawing of that. <laughs> or send me one anyway. <laughs> yeah, just Liam. Just Liam. Yeah, yeah, send it to me. <laughs> I have another question. It's about the dawn. Oh, and the dawn. doctors. The three minute. Yeah, the three minutes of sunshine on the planet. So, Trenzalore's sun, much like our sun, rises pretty much vertically. And then three minutes later, goes down again. So is the planet just rocking backwards and forwards <laughs> as it's going around in orbit? If it was anything like the sun on Earth, it would come over the horizon at the shallowest angle mm. possible and then dive behind the next mountain again and you just barely see more than the tip of it, like on the rim of the Arctic Circle. Just it's the tip? Just the tip. Just the tip, on the rim. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm saying is the physics is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's fair. I'll give you that one. <laughs> I'm not wearing my glasses, but if I were, I would push them up the brim of my nose and go, that's very true. <laughs> I am wearing my glasses. I'm going to do, do exactly it, do it, that. Do it, do it, do it. It's very true. <laughs> oh, I've never felt so validated. <laughs>
Also, I had another thing, which is when Tasha, her face is in the sky. It's dozens of miles across. Surely everyone in the truth field is going to be running around shouting, fucking hell, look at the size of that face. I've just <laughs> shat myself. I'm locking this one for the wank bank. I'm wearing a wig. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the space pope. Look busy. <laughs> uh, do you think they know about the papal mainframe? Or are they... Well, the town's it, called Christmas. But do they actually celebrate Christmas, or is that just a coincidence? A little bit like we've we had that... What's the one with either Armstrong or Miller? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. That's the one where we have trees that sprout little baubles, and that's just a coinkidink, yeah, because yeah. it's a Christmas episode, so some things just look like Christmas. That's biological that. convergence. This is a naming convention I am not prepared to admit is a coincidence. See, I actually assumed it was a coincidence, and these people know fuck all about anything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that is equally likely. Yeah, I'll be honest. It feels like this is a pre-warp society, and therefore the Prime Directive stays <laughs> the, the, the people mainframe, and everyone else like they've just had to keep their distance. Yeah, but they fucked that up as well. They did. Yeah. 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 No, they <laughs> no, I go did. back onto why weren't these people decamped, taken somewhere else? <laughs> And the doc is just left there on his own. Yeah, that's super fair argument. <laughs> super fair argument. Had not considered it at all. The Trenzalorians get a really hard deal. <laughs> I also don't quite understand. So when we have seen Trenzalore before, mm -hmm. there were countless graves. It was referred to as like the greatest battle of all time had been fought there. So the time that that happened, and we have now subverted somehow. Yes, the future has been changed. Was that the scenario that Gallifrey did come through? I think so. I, this is why I think this is cyclical, and if Gallifrey were to come through, that would spark the start of the Time War, and everyone would attack Trenzalore to destroy Gallifrey, and therefore, and they would destroy the TARDIS in the process, so we'd get that gigantic TARDIS, and everyone would be dead. So has the Time, law, time War now not happened? At this point in history? So how is Gallifrey locked away in a pocket unit? Because the time war uh, happens across all of time. So there's no, like, causality becomes this wibbly-wobbly... That's it. Whatever. That's what I wanted you to say. At some point, there has to be a wibble-wobble. There must be. <laughs> I, d I actually think the time war has already happened, and it's been put in a pocket universe and it's took away. Um, because... But has it not already happened in the future? Mm, no, because I don't think that the Battle of Tenzalore <laughs> is not... The battle is not the time war. The oh, okay. battle of Translore is something different, and that's where the doctor dies. And so, and because he answers this in the show, because Clara keeps saying, "We've seen the future. We've seen Translore. We've seen your grave. Can't we change it?" And he's and he says, "No." And it's also we should say both of their pasts at this point. Yeah. So it's not just changing some future. Exactly. Off somewhere. They're already yeah. invested in this. They've seen it. They've been to it. They can't change it. And so I think the trends, the battle of Translore and all the graves is after the doctor dies the whole planet is just going to be a war zone and every every resident of christmas and maybe there's other towns on this planet they're all going to die and they're they're their graves it's not the gallifrey okay because that makes more sense to me because i was going to question the geography of the situation because if gallifrey comes through that's a planet yeah and won't the daleks and the cybermen be a bit distracted by this other planet that is then going to be fielding loads of ships and attacking them yeah rather than going for the crack which doesn't mean anything anymore yeah that's yeah that's true i kind of wasn't really picturing it like that though i was kind of picturing it like oh it just effectively an army of gallifrey exactly yeah like a, a portal opens yeah. or like the crack widens and out they march or possibly spaceships fly out through it or something like tanks come rolling out 
if it's going to leave a bigger crack. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if Gallifrey's right there and it just suddenly appears through, couldn't they position the planet so that there's a really deep ocean? Because Gallifrey is massive, isn't it? Well, I think it's a it's, planet. I think it's fairly established that even among planets, it's a pretty big one. Mm. So it would just it would just engulf everything. Everything would every ship would instantly crash. Everything on it would instantly die at ten thousand miles an hour or whatever. So it just come through. Yeah. What's the what? Wait. What's the what? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to Google Take it. I couldn't find it. Wait. Wait. Isn't there a an episode of either Eccleston or Early Tenants where a different planet, possibly Gallifrey, some oh, planet no. <laughs> shows up, quote unquote, on Earth, like right there. You look up and there's another planet all of a sudden. Isn't there a whole bunch of planets appear in the sky? At one point. That's the stolen earth. That's the Journey's stolen end. earth. Yes. Mm. Wait. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, ignore me. I think, there might, is, <laughs> I think there might be a future thing where Gallifrey just pops up in, uh, as, a, as a planet. Which mm. might be why I'm thinking a planet would come through, because a planet does. But I, just, I don't remember that very Explodes well. out into the town called Christmas. Yeah. Villagers and baubles everywhere. No, Clara herds the villagers into a safe town hall and the Daleks <laughs> all get just a, blown up. Approximately a planet away from yeah. the crack in the whatever it is. Correct. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Why does everyone want to wage war on the Time Lords? Because they're a bunch of dicks. But, <laughs> but, but, but why? Do we know why? Yeah, why did the Time Wars start exactly. in the first why? place? I mean, Rassilon is a dick. Definitely. Yeah, Rassilon not there anymore, right? Wait! No! No, Rassilon shitballs. Rassilon went to Earth. You you clarified this the last time, right? Yeah, that was all going on at once. Exactly. So the Gallifrey that's on the other end of the crack is, like, effectively, it's Gallifrey minus Rassilon. Yes. Where's Rassilon? Is he dead? Well, he's in the end of time parts one and two. And what happens at the end of that? The master sends them into the... Maybe? Possibly. Possibly. They go back through a thing, don't they? They arrive yeah. through a thing and then they go back through Does a thing. Does he face yeah. the untempered schism? Oh, maybe they're in the untempered schism. But, but then the master comes back later, so... Yeah, that's true. So maybe they just pop back to Gallifrey and he will be there. Oh, yeah, Just on true. the other side of the crack. It still feels like it, that, that's not reason enough for every other civilization in the galaxy or possibly even the, the wider universe to want to destroy them. Because they've seen the time war, because the time war has already happened, and, well, is happening in all of time and space. Blah, blah, and that blah. was so terrible. And they it was want so to terrible. stop it. No, they want to stop it. They want to make sure that the Gallifreyans can never come through again so that that will never happen again. So they've all stationed there so that the like, slightest people of them coming through, they're just going to destroy everything. Hmm. I'm on board. Good. Thanks, Drew. I don't know. I'm on board for everyone but the Daleks. <laughs> No, the Daleks, they just want to start something. They're like, like egging them on. Like, come on. The Daleks should be just going, right, you guys all stay around that planet. We're just going to destroy everything else. <laughs> like, don't think that, that okay? they're not. Like, I feel like this is one, or like, you know, however many Dalek ships are here waiting now. Yeah, it's that's not true. all Daleks. Tasha Lam at one point says they're calling in more reinforcements. Exactly. Daily. Yeah. Yeah, but why? Why are they calling more reinforcements? They should be going, ah, oh, fuck it. Leave it to Cybermen. We'll go kill everything else. Because we want to kill everything in the universe. <laughs> now they are distracted. We will go and take over their planets. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Wait. Exactly. Those two Suntarans in the tank, they go, actually, you know what? Let's head back. Dust off their hands. Get in their little Suntaran ship. Speed back to Sontar. And oh, it's just full of Daleks. Yeah. I, see, I think it is. That's oh, you that think is it is? exactly <laughs> what they are doing. Yeah. 
absolutely. We shall have to see if that comes true. <laughs> we may never see it at again, actually. Oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> we see one in the next episode. Oh, do we? Although he is one we've seen before. Mm. And it's oh, like, uh, it's a strike. Uh, I feel like you can't count him. It's deep breath, isn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah. Is this now the definitive explanation for how many lives he has led that count towards this regeneration? So he says 13 versions of the Doctor, including Captain Grumpy, mm. the War Doctor, because it was still a regeneration. And mathematically, that checks out. But yeah. have we not been saying that? We that, have, but that doesn't mean we're right. I'm sure our maths also checked out at some point. So, I mean, checked out, not as in like, hey, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> checked out as in like, oh yeah, no, this makes sense. That Because I was genuinely under the impression, when he, when he said this, I made a note of it, because I had prior to that point been under the impression that, wait, that doesn't count, because that was a forced regeneration, solely a consequence of the... Sisterhood of Khan. Because yeah. didn't they give him an extra... Yeah, they, well, well apparently a, they didn't. Apparently they just, like, this is poison. Drink this. It, it's poison that will kill you. It will force you to regenerate. and But it will Give force you, you to regenerate in a particular no, direction. No, he was, he was on the verge of death. So oh, he was right, going yeah. to regenerate. And the, the and medicine they gave him allowed him to choose that's the it. aspect of the regeneration. Great. Mm-hmm. We can go back and cut 20 minutes out of our Night of the Doctor review. <laughs> just right. replace it with those 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I summed up there as well. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, no, yeah. In, in my brilliant fashion, you know. <laughs> but yeah, their, their, their logic seemed to hold in this, definitely, because they, they even counted tenants. tenants. To, yeah, one of my forms regenerated with the same face twice yeah. or something like that. Yeah, okay. So that's nice. We get some clarity or confirmation, what have you. We also get a nice reference back to Madame Kavarian. Wasn't that was the Kavarian chapter of the papal mainframe. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. Now, do we buy that series five to seven all hang together and are wrapped up neatly and plausibly by this episode? Yes, I do. Plausibly enough. My uh, my question is, do you think they were clever enough to have been planning this for the whole time? Or is it just somebody scrambling around going, how can we get in as many references as possible and tie up all these loose ends? Yes. Because we, <laughs> but there, were, but there were so many loose ends that were never quite tied off properly, and it always really annoyed me at the, you know, the end of a series, and you're waiting to find out what the silence is, and you still don't quite know what well, we, it means and what the question is, and yeah, and yeah. why will silence fall when the question is answered? It's never really an- answered, and so then when, here, well, the question is Doctor Who, so yeah. the, and and silence will fall the second he answers the question by giving Gallifrey his name. Gallifrey will come through. Yeah, and yeah. the silence is the end of that beacon. Is that what it is? It's like, oh well, we hear Gallifrey's heartbeat effectively on the other end of this uh, crack, yeah. and the second the the question is answered. That heart will beat no more. That's one interpretation. I <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I hadn't occurred to me. I didn't know whether it was more like as they kind of think if Gallifrey comes through, it will just be the end of life as we know it. There ah. will be the Time War Part Two, and it will just destroy everything, and then silence across the universe. Yeah. Also, super super valid interpretation. Of, yeah. What was your interpretation? But be? it seemed like they wanted silence to fall. The silence. Yeah, and and the papal mainframe. Did they? Did they not? Did they? Yeah, they wanted silence to fall because that way the Doc is keeping silent and he's not letting the Time Lords through because breaking the silence is through the crack. Mm. Ah. Okay. Yeah. But silence will fall when the question is answered, not asked. 
involved. Yeah. So that yes. doesn't make sense. No. It, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> At the end of series five, if any, you remember... Any two explanations are always correct. This is the <laughs> double of <laughs> Time Lord theories. <laughs> At the end of series five, if you remember, there's a voice that says, Silence will fall! And never have we heard that voice again. No. Not coming out of handles, not as it turns into the general, not when it has become the general. Does it sound at any point like the silence will fall? And we didn't see the silence at all in series five. And at some point in this episode, they say about how the silence blew up the TARDIS when it was the Doctor who blew up the universe. And I just don't think it. I thought the TARDIS just blew up because it was attacked, it was damaged, or maybe even crashed or yeah, something. Yeah, the TARDIS was exploding and he was going in there to try and stop it. Yeah. Don't, I don't think he exploded it. So so the silence did explode it? See, I Not think sure. that would have been set up better if that had been Moffat's plan all along. Mm. So I, I buy that he was trying to bring the loose ends together, mm. but I don't think it stands up. I don't, I don't think it was a plan three season arc plan no, no i don't think so either no. but i think as as retcons go this yeah. is very nicely done yeah didn't kavarian have the headless monks were they not part of the papal mainframe we don't know if they're that related i suppose oh maybe, maybe they were, they're they were presented together thing. but they yeah they they may just be part of that splinter group okay yeah the uh, renegade chapter because they yeah they're treated quite separately to the the more military people. Oh, yeah, that's true. They're fearful of them, even. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And the silence. I think the fact that Moffat can't even make this one episode hang together makes me sceptical he can do it for three series. When, How dare you? When, I was say, when the, dare you? Hangs together beautifully. When the Doctor yeah, and Clara... What are you talking about? Moffat is a genius. Well, you shut up for Best one second. episode ever. <laughs> when the Doctor and Clara arrive in the truth field and he's saying, right, my name's Hank or Rock or something like that, the truth field should not letting him be saying that. He should be saying, right, so my name's Barry or Barry or something like Barry. Wait, why do I keep saying Barry? He's not in the truth field yet. They're walking up they to are it. In the truth field. Walking up the truth to field's it. over the Dude. whole town. <laughs> oh, the, oh, yeah. Okay, no. Uh, well, we'll see what podcast land. Let posterity decide. Yeah, let's, let's do that, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think your interpretation of the truth field's effects is a little too literal. I, I, <laughs> I, I, Fine. I, I don't think it's that like, he can only ever say things that taken like, <laughs> on their own must be factually accurate. I, yeah, I what think does the truth field have to do with truth? I, well, it's a really odd... It, it doesn't make you tell the truth because if they say what's your name the truthful answer is my name is clara and she doesn't say that she says uh, yeah i'm a, a bossy whatever yeah yeah and he says i'm wearing a wig he doesn't suddenly answer the question that must not be answered exactly. yeah. yeah so uh, yeah plus he doesn't tell her listen my name is brock he's sort of inf- he's he's suggesting this is the plan. I'm, yeah, exactly. This yeah. is the plan. I'm going to say something like this, right? Yeah. And you're going to say something like that. Okay, I think it could have been worded better. I mean, I am retreating from my position somewhat, <laughs> but at the same time, he does, says, he does say, my name is Rock or Hank or something like you that. You retreat, coward! No, that's my best. Maybe his I'm name terrible. is Rock or Hank or something like that. <gasps> yeah, and that whole Not sentence... Barry, after all. Is, 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 he's Rock or Hank or something like that. <laughs> His, his parents were very... Maybe he doesn't ago. remember his name. Maybe this whole thing. He's like, I just wish I could remember. I've been called the doctor for so goddamn long. I can't... I want to answer the question. But is it Rock? Is it Barry? Who knows? I think that when Mrs. Doctor gave birth to the doctor, she was so hopped up on... Um, what was it? Time vortex. 
Time vortex juice. Bloody blood. What do they actually give pregnant women? Oh. Uh, epidurals. Epidurals, exactly. <laughs> and they said, what would you like to call him, Mrs. Doctor? He goes, Morocco, oh, Morocco, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. It's on the birth certificate. <laughs> Great. <laughs> We haven't talked about the supporting cast at all because Clara's dad is back. Or is he? Is, is, it, is that the same guy? Or? I didn't recognize him. Is it a different dude? It is not the same guy. The original guy was Michael Dixon. This is James Buller. And you know what? A I poor think, man's Michael Dixon, I think you'll find. <laughs> I think they knew that he was a poor man's Michael Dixon because if you think back to the episode, I think I'm right in remembering that they never linger on his face very long. No, they don't. They don't show him in any close-ups. He's always on the edge of frame or speaking from just off the edge of frame. And they desperately don't want us to notice that they couldn't get Michael Dixon back. You know what? I feel bad for saying poor man's Michael Dixon because <laughs> I, I, they're both of equal, you know, uh, actor caliber in my eyes. What is Michael Dixon doing that he was too busy to come and film one episode of Doctor uh, Who? The Michael Dixon show. Oh. Right. <laughs> Late night with Michael Dixon. Um, the thing that... <laughs> The recasting that annoyed me was um, um, Small Amelia. She, oh. She wasn't even ginger. They got a blonde girl to like run around the TARDIS. That wasn't Little Amelia no. Really? I'm sure it wasn't. Are you sure? Oh, I'm I, sure I, it This wasn't. is worth looking up, Leo. Yeah. She looked really different. Sorry, I was just looking at Michael Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's been on Hollyoaks. He was in oh, I no. Spit on Your Grave 2 rather than star in this. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was his first role out after Doctor Who. <laughs> oh. He's been in tons of shit, though. Oh, hasn't ever Including he played, his first role was playing someone named Barry. Coincidence? <gasps> I don't think so. Um, <laughs> See, I can tie it all together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, wait yeah, yeah, young Amelia Pond. Absolutely not the same girl. Mm. She was always uh, running at yeah, face, face height behind the thing because clearly hidden. this is like years after yeah. that tiny girl who's at an age when like every day counts in terms of exactly, shooting yeah. her because Three she's years later she's going to be a foot taller exactly. and look completely different anyway exactly. so they did so they had to recast her which is fine yeah. but i just feel like they could have got someone who looked a little bit more like i her. just want to interject here or According they could to- have or they could have lent her amy's wig oh that obvious that's in my notes in my notes in my notes Amy Pond in an obvious wig moment. Is this post uh, Marvel? Shaving the hair, maybe. Yeah, I think it probably yeah. is. Um, Pray silence for Jim and his point. Okay. IMDb is uncredited, but Amelia Pond is the same actress. I don't think, no, I don't think it is. I think they've made a mistake. Do you know what? Abby's hair used to be ginger. And as she grew up, she changed from ginger to blonde. So it can happen. <sighs> Fine, then it, it is the same girl then, but she's clearly behind, running behind that thing because she looks completely different at this mm. point. That's nice if they cast the same the same actor. Yeah, that's kind of sweet. I did not like the Amy Pond moment. No. Though. It's like pseudo-romantic. Was yeah. I touching a face? And Fuck off, totally Amy Pond. Like, weirdly, it almost looked like she was airbrushed in. She looked really like... I, think I know it was supposed to be like a dreamy thing, but... I think there's also for Marvel and whatnot. It's not that she. It's not only that she shaved her head. She probably like went to the gym seventeen times per morning, <laughs> yeah. and probably looks kind of different. In fact, you know? I remember seeing um, like around the time when this must have been filmed, photos of her and Matt Smith both with their shaved heads because he'd oh. done it. I think he did it for another. Film or something, and then they wrote it in, and then she'd obviously done it for Marvel, and so they're both in their wigs and having a whale of a time. It was <laughs> <laughs> joyful. I think what bothered me most is that Amelia Pond. You get the the lovely. This is the 
first face that this face yeah. saw, you know, which is a wonderful thing about yeah. his character that's come up before. But then older Amy was just a companion. Rory was a companion. Clara is a companion and stood right there. And mm. um, it just feels really weird to have that moment shoved in our faces. Yeah, you know who it's most significant to is Stephen Moffat. It's like, this is it, the old team back when I started my run. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Nobody yeah. else quite feels the same. Yeah. I did like the uh, fish fingers and custard reference as well. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Moving around the table, we have Linda is played by Elizabeth Ryder. She has some Doctor Who previous. Is Linda the stepmom? Yes. Okay. She previously played the Atmos voice in the Sontaran Stratagem. Ooh. Not only that, she was Mistress Ellen in the Sarah Jane Adventures. Okay. And the rest of her career. <laughs> She's been in every UK TV series you can possibly name, playing characters of the week. She's played two in Corrie, two in Casualty, two different nurses in EastEnders, three parts on Peak Practice, three on Emmerdale, three in Heartbeat, four in The Bill. Do you know what this tells me? And four in Holby City. <laughs> that she's a really, really nice lady. Yeah. And she keeps getting invited back and people love working with her. Yeah. That's oh, let's not... get her back. But we, we've already had her once. Oh, that's all right. People won't remember. We'll yeah. just get her on for another bit. Part. It was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Just give her a small part. I bet she makes really good scones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I could murder a scone. You know what? You should cast Elizabeth Ryder. <laughs> yeah. Gran, Sheila Reed, has also been four different parts in Casualty and <laughs> Doctors because smiley frailty. And Absolutely she- recognised her from something, by the way. She yeah. was in Classic Who. Okay. In Colin Baker's apparently favourite episode, Vengeance on Varos. Now available on DVD. Mm. Mm. Very good. Also Brazil. Yes, yeah, yeah. Just saw that there. We have also previously made reference to an actress that appeared in this. Oh, yeah? yeah. Because she appeared in the, the Five-ish Doctors as just a random one of their wives. And we didn't know why she was one of their wives. But she, turns out she was just hanging around the BBC to film this, which is Tessa Pete Jones, a.k.a. Raquel from Only Fools and Horses. Oh. Who was Marta, apparently, is the name of the character. But the woman of woman and man who go, oh, you're in a truth field. Oh, that's oh. her. That's her. You know, I thought she looked weirdly familiar, but I didn't know why. That's why. Mm. Nice one, Jim. <laughs> Jim can bring it together. Jim can tie it together. <laughs> I can think of one thing we haven't really talked about. Is it the narrator? No. What do you want to say about the narrator? Just that we always get them for event episodes. We have Billy Piper going, this is how I died. And yeah, it, this, it, it seemed like the wrong person was narrating this. Mm. I don't understand why. It, She's the longest lived. She's the only one left. She's immortal now because... She probably is, actually, yeah. Why not have Clara? Because that'd be really tacky. That'd Uh, be like the Billy Piper thing again. I guess so, yeah. Also, we've had a narrating one recently. So, wait, Time of the Doctor. Why not just not have a narrator? Yeah. (laughs) Wait, this is Time of the Doctor. This is Time of the Doctor. Night of the Doctor, Day of the Doctor. doctor. No, the other one. Life of the Doctor. Name Name of the Doctor. doctor. Name of the Doctor. Word of the Doctor, House of the Doctor. Okay. (laughs) Noun of the Doctor. (laughs) Well, I was going to say a different thing that we haven't really talked about. But it might be more of a concluding point. Concluding subject. We get Capaldi. Oh my goodness, how have we not mentioned him? And also, we we should probably talk about the actual regeneration scene. (laughs) The actual farewell scene with... Oh my, let's talk about that first. Wow, I cried like a child again. The music is swelling. He takes off his iconic (gasps) bow tie and drops to the floor. The swelling music is the theme from a carton. Wake up, wake up. Is it really? It is. I recognise the carton tone in there. A carton. Chin chin. (laughs) 
What a regeneration scene. Mm. With it slightly undercut by the presence of Amy Pond. I don't mind saying. But, oh, farewell. My goodness, what a scene. And then sudden Capaldi. Very sudden Capaldi. It was Capaldi. so quick. It felt Snap. like, I mean, that regeneration scene, it just... We get tons of build-up, but we get build-up at such a tempo that I was expecting it to last a little longer. Yeah. And I don't know how long this episode was. I'm sure it's much longer than they normally are, but... 61 minutes. <laughs> 61 minutes, oh yeah, you were sad. But, but it, it did feel like maybe that scene was cut short, and then all of a sudden, boom, we get slapped in the face with Capaldi, and he's so incredibly Capaldi! <laughs> well... I think we get about as much time with him as we do with Jodie Whittaker when she appears. You get about 30 seconds both times. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. So, I, not I entirely dissimilar scene, by the way. Mm. I don't think this was like intentionally cut short. I think it was intentionally done short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, sorry. To, to clarify, it's just, it, it's meant as a shocker, I'm sure. It's just mm. like this abrupt, yeah. it's almost like a jump scare. Vroom, you don't expect it, and there's Capaldi, but... It was really like, I was quite ready to say goodbye to Mad Smith, yeah. yes. I mean, compared to the Eccleston one, which just, oh, wait, no, no. Compared to the Tenant <laughs> there one. There you go. <laughs> which is just like, oh, well, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to linger. I'm just going to jerk myself off on screen for another 15 minutes while my hands glow. And then we get the regeneration and it, you know, it just ends. I think this is we get to see Matt Smith in that episode. He just, boom, lights cut to credits. Uh, yeah. I think this is just broken up more because Smith is regenerating way before he comes into the TARDIS. Oh, that's true. That is true, yeah. Mm. So it's it's just a bit of a staged regeneration. And it's just, yeah, the, the emotional bit, the meat of it is that end in, in the TARDIS. And then it's just click. Yeah. Capaldi. And I, I took it from the, the way they set things up and his interactions with Clara that actually... That's not necessarily for the viewer's benefit. That's for Clara. That's for getting her reaction, her kind of like shock of this man has just gone. Yeah, and yeah. her look of shock when she is staring into the attack eye is great. If you could put that on the website, her Certainly. eyes and her mouth are all perfectly round. <laughs> it, is, it is total shock on her face. And to act that, you know, when you know what's coming, it's, it's quite a feat. Yeah. So, to be that shocked looking... Seriously, look, Don, go to the website Podcast Land. It's Please something. do. Whobackman.com. Thanks for the plug. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Smith's speech about we all change with different people all through our lives, but we must remember all the people we used to be. In my mid-30s, that cut particularly deep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, d- did it not for anyone else? You know, you're the person you are growing up, then you're university, then you're your 20s. We're at least our fourth iterations of ourselves by this point, if not more. Yeah, that's fine. It's also not the last iterations of ourselves. No, but it's meaningful, is what I'm saying. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nice words. Mm. Did you like his little look to camera? When? I think I missed that. He said, uh, I will always remember when the doctor was me, and he looks right at you. Uh, oh, God. I know. <laughs> With a sly grin. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, because I think I remember a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about they broke the fourth wall a lot, and it particularly annoyed you, I think, Drew. Um, Just but, the sheer volume of it. Yeah, but I think I think that was the only time that I noticed anyway. I thought yeah. it was quite well done. Yeah. You know what happened when I watched it? I didn't notice that he turned to camera. But I immediately connected that this was Matt Smith saying a line about his end. Yeah. And so I must have subconsciously connected that he had turned and faced me. <laughs> you, you didn't see it because you were kicked out into the street by that point. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I'm too emotional. Sorry, Jim. Face pinned up against the window, trying to <laughs> see the screen glare from the corner. <laughs> is tenants equivalent to this, the I don't want to go? Yeah. Or is there something else there? Which he said last episode. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that is, I, I do also think this episode Parodying is a, himself. Oh, sorry. a bit quick. After such a marquee. 50th anniversary episode to have this be the next one and already he's going yeah. I mean perhaps circumstances dictated it couldn't have been otherwise but it's a bit of a shame but I do also I'm happy think, with it what do you what would you follow it with do you then just have like normal like da 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 escapades for a few episodes and then it's or, or you have the equivalent uh, of uh, Tenant's shit episode specials yeah, over the course of like out. two years. You have just Matt, nonsense Matt Smith episodes on desert planets with what's-her-face. Well, I'll tell you what, I could elaborate on this in my rating. Marvellous. Um, sorry, just to jump back to the regeneration. Mm-hmm. I wrote down, he says it's a whole new regeneration cycle because he talks about it being like more oh, difficult so, so another 13 and yeah lines. and that's what i was wondering whether because i think we talked about this previously and just on a random episode be like does he ha- now have endless regenerations but that the particular phrasing made me think has he been given another 12 i remember when when this happened or when capaldi came on i remember the internet and, and fans at large being awash with theories and m- most of them basically just saying, listen, these are just theories. We have no idea. Yeah. It's all up to the BBC. And even if we do get another 13 lives, who cares at the end of it, there'll be some other wibbly wobbly thing yeah. that'll give him another or her another 13. So I, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying. It seems like this is very clear, but I almost feel like Capaldi himself later on clarifies that he know. Yeah. Yeah. And also, if there are another 12 regenerations, if this is the first one, then there's instantly only another 11. Is Matt Smith like Hartnell 2.0? When we think it's Capaldi, but the regeneration cycle has to start somewhere. It starts with Smith rather than Capaldi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's no year naught here is what I'm saying. Mm. Right. Yeah, Capaldi is not the first Doctor. He's the second Doctor cycle. Potentially. Ratings? (laughs) (laughs) Let's. (laughs) And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong. Hey, la, 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 la. Ratings. Okay, so while all of time is in flux and you can change the future that is also your past, I would like to retcon recent Earth history and say that after the day of the Doctor, there was an Advent serial, classic style of episodes that led up to Christmas and we had four of them and the silence reveal and the scene in Tasha's Chapel finished episode one and then when the church was announced as the Church of the Silence with the unscheduled faith change, that was the end of episode two. Doc can abandon Clara again at the end of episode three and then the aged Doctor's final scenes can be episode four because I think this would have worked much better as a classic serial. You go to the trouble of making all these sets and animating all these Dalek motherships, and you squeeze all that into 60 minutes, you need to get some more bang for your buck, BBC, Uh and spread it out a little bit. And I think it would have made a nice serial. But I think if it had been four episodes, at the same time, Moffat wouldn't have been able to hand wave away half of the cheats and tricks that he shells us with here. Because there's more good than bad, but I think this is a creaky old contraption of an episode spluttering along like Howl's Moving Castle. A real Heath Robinson ultra complication. A foreshortened Arrested Development Series 3 crush mash of hastily tied Gordian gourd help us not. A sentence with way too many clauses that streaks this way and that as clocks spin, a bunch of lasers pulse, cracks and meta cracks shatter and shut. And is the audience too stunned to applaud or too bewildered by it all? And I can't love it because Matt Smith is leaving, even if all the stage directions in this episode called for louder, louder 
louder. And at last we found he had no more decibels left to give. That's a woman! I mean, come on. It's not a vintage episode, nor send-off. I'm sure I will forget large chunks of it again, as I did before. And it's tiring and bombastic, and the monologues easily trounce the dialogues. All the baddies are assembled, but only the Daleks are a threat more than once. If Moffat wanted us to say over and over again, Christmas is stupid, mission accomplished. But personally, I'm still just referring to the name of the town. I loved the acting, so that brings it up. I'm going to give it a not Christmassy enough (gasps) 3.3. Oh my goodness! Can I follow that one? Yeah. <laughs> that was being generous. Wow. All right. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, I am going to miss Matt Smith so much, it is frankly worrying. Uh, Tennant left a gaping hole behind as well. Uh, but Smith has... He's had a better run. He's been a more likable, charismatic character and shown more heart than both of his New Who predecessors. All three of them, in fact. Interestingly, although this isn't a Clara episode as such and nor is it a companion farewell in that Clara Bridges 3 or 4 Doctors, we still get to know her in this one single episode so much better, I feel, than we've known her thus far. We see where she lives, we meet her family, her wonderful nan, oh my goodness, her heartless B-word of a stepmother, uh, her somewhat nondescript dad who has apparently told a lie about how his folks met. Uh, Clara hugging her nan makes me appreciate her as a companion so much more than almost anything she's done to date, except maybe that one time that she held on to the TARDIS on her first way back to Trenzalor, also in this episode. This also marks, I can't help but feel, a graduation of Doctor Who as a television show and possibly of us as an audience. Uh, There's almost no comparison between this regeneration and Eccleston's uh, regeneration of eight and a half years earlier. I won't go into intricate detail listing all the things that I enjoyed because we'd be here all night, but summa summarum, I laughed, I cried multiple times, I didn't want it to end and I didn't want Smith to go. This is a wonderful, exciting, incredibly well-written, fun, thrilling, lore-expanding, self-referential, at times metatextual, tastefully fan-phallus massaging Christmas special, and such a high note for Matt Smith to end. My only negative would be, uh, I will say this anyway, even though there were so few negatives and they were so minor, they had barely any bearing on my enjoyment, but it would be pond because... (laughs) She's just the worst. Uh, The rest of it, however, I loved every amazing moment of it. Farewell, Eleven. The Doc is dead. Long live the Doc. And last night, I will say, wrought with emotion, I gave this episode (laughs) 5.0. You've got to stop and come back to us. But you negative Nellies have talked me down to a more realistic 4.6. 3.3 indeed. (laughs) See that, see, that was my 5.0. I'm going to re- revise that now. <laughs> 4.6. <laughs> right. Jim, I believe you're up next. Yes, I think if we're doing the roller coaster proper justice, I maybe should go in here. <laughs> okay. So 1.2 from Jim and a 5.0 from Marie. <laughs> I, th- I think this episode strikes me as the lollipop you get where it's ice cream in the middle and then a, a flavoured ice lolly on the outside but the flavored ice lolly on the outside was poo <laughs> i mean i should have seen that coming, but it's still an arresting image wow <laughs> but uh, there's there's something good at the heart of this episode and the interplay with matt smith and clara and clara and her family you're absolutely right leon this is great to see some more of more of her backstory and interacting with normal people and what she is like as a normal human being who isn't just traveling around the universe in time and space, which most normal people don't get to do. 
And I don't know. I think there's a there's an admirable attempt to bookend and wrap up a lot of loose threads, which I, I give credit for. I think that's that's a bit of fan service, but a, a bit of an intelligent choice of, yes, we need to kind of settle some of these things. No, they didn't do it entirely well because I don't think they could. They just left too many threads dangling and they were like split ends in the end. You know, you're not going to, you have to cut them off. <laughs> that was bad. Um, <laughs> I fully <laughs> buy that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, you know, there's, there's full of wonderful lines. Uh, Tasha Lem, I didn't necessarily buy as a brilliant character, but she has some nice interplay with the Doctor. That There could be a more interesting story there to un- unravel if they wanted to dig deeper. She has uh, a lovely interplay of him as saying, you know, none of this was for you, you fatuous egotist. It was for the peace. You know, there's nice things. And, and Doc and Clara are knocking things out left, right and center. It is an enjoyable thing to watch, but you pick at it and it's just, it's the bigger topics. It's the... Well, what actually is Doctor's motivation? Is he just going to sit on this planet until he dies and then all hell breaks loose? And it's like, well, that's not a great plot for this Doctor Who episode, the send-off for Matt Smith. And it's the, well, what does this barrier do when they can come down and shoot things? They can come down and shoot things. That spaceship's now down here and shooting things. You know, it's just, no, you have to kind of piece those things a bit better and I will switch my brain off and enjoy it even more. But it still has a wonderful regeneration scene with Matt Smith. It is a good send-off. And I did get a little bit emotional. I definitely laughed a lot. So I'm giving this a 3.7. I had 2.9 written down. For that. <laughs> <laughs> 3.7. Nice one. Yeah. Marie, don't let me down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say, I think before we pop this episode on, we had the uh, Who Back Where Enough and we were checking out last week's scores. And I've for- forgotten that you'd given it a 5.0. <laughs> I'm like, Leon is so over the top. I can't believe he's gone that high. And then at the end of this episode, I was right there with you. I was like, 5.0. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's the best episode that's ever happened. Like, t- Clara. I'm going to start with Clara. She was amazing, as usual. You know, you've all pointed out all the great things, but there's some, like, really sweet, funny little, like, oh, let's cook a turkey in the, in the heart of the TARDIS. That was a nice little moment. I liked um, the little interplay of, like, oh, you can't keep nipping in here because you forgot to set iPlayer. And, like, <laughs> and, just, and the way she's, like, become very comfortable with him and using it and, and flipping back and forth and da 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 and... It was very sweet to sort of picture this life that they have that is probably quite mundane, that we we only get to see the exciting bits, but you get to see the like glimpses of the other side of them as well. Um, yeah, her family and everything, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, when we got to, um, when we got to Translore and we found out that it was Translore and the silence appeared and the crack in the wall and it was, and it just kept coming. And every time it, it never felt too much. It was just like, <gasps> like all of these things that I've been waiting for that I'd, I'd assumed we're never coming back to, we have cut them off as, as dead, like a dead loss and we're, we're never coming back there. And they did manage to mention them all. I know they might not have been the best resolved things in the world, but it was, <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. I liked Matt Smith. I liked the aging process. I wish they hadn't put a time figure on it because when he said 300 years, dates don't really work, blah, blah, blah. But it was nice to see him as an older man. It was nice to see him sort of slowing down he had a line about 
these are the first people that haven't made me leave or have, or have wanted me to stay. Or, this is the first place that needed me to stick needed around. Needed me to Unlike stick around, yeah. everywhere else you've ever been, Doctor. No, because... Earth never needed you. Everywhere else he's managed to solve the problem and then leave them to it and they get on with their lives and he becomes this myth, and, but they never really get to know him. And so to, to see him settle in a place and make a life there and make friends there and, and become this like grandfather figure was really beautiful. And then the, to see him get older. And yeah, the other bit that made me cry was when Clara and the kind of old man doctor and the, the she's trying to pull a cracker with him and he's so weak and he, and he can't. And she's, it's, oh my she's gosh. She's like, that's okay, that's okay. And she does it for him. She's so gentle yeah. and beautiful and caring. And it's that's such a sweet moment. And so to see this entire lifespan in front of your eyes in, in 61 minutes is incredible. Um, and it did. It got me very emotional. It pulled on all of my heartstrings. I know that you guys have sat here for an hour and put picked all the plot holes, and I just don't care. I just couldn't care less. <laughs> the yeah. shit I got for rating Donna Noble episode time. I feel, like, I feel like karma is preparing something big for you two. But yeah, so I was very pleased with the regeneration scene when he get went back to young Matt Smith because it was nice to have to be able to say goodbye to the Matt Smith we knew. And he looked so young and so fresh. And anyway, yeah, dock a point off for Amy because she didn't need to be there. <laughs> dock a point off for, um, I don't know. I don't know because he didn't have a plan. At the end of the day, he was just going to die and everything would go to shit anyway. And that's not very doctor, but he's, he's not infallible. He is a person after all. Like he's not this you know endless genius maybe he just he was stuck and he didn't he couldn't find a way out that helped everyone and so he was just doing what he could so no i'm not taking a point off him (laughs) (laughs) you take your point back um so that's it so that gives me a (laughs) (laughs) 4.9 yes yes (laughs) well earned matt smith and clara you've done your you've done us proud great acting all around everybody was fab nice Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Listener minis. Now let's hear from podcast land. Max to 50 or it would get out of hand. Okay, so we have four listener minis this week, podcast land. Thank you very much. Our thanks firstly go out to Michael Ridgeway. Ridgeway. Hello, Michael. Love you, Michael. Love you, Michael. My goodness, that's so big. Michael has a series of likes. I died in this room screaming your name. Naked doctor at Clara's Christmas dinner. Silence will fall. Satisfyingly? Question mark. Explained. Handles. <laughs> and an explosive regeneration. However, Michael's likes are apparently outweighed by a bunch of beefs. The Winter Wonderland hellscape that is Christmas Town. Sick bag, please. <laughs> How has this town not changed in centuries? Why haven't they built Helm's Deep defences? <laughs> still armed with pitchforks why is the woman in the bonnet still alive at the end are they immortal is she (laughs) why haven't they all got rickets (laughs) i'm with the daleks everyone in this town should be exterminated second beef the silence way to ruin a good villain do you remember when these guys were cool eviscerating people in bathrooms What's the point in confessing your sins to one if you then forget? You don't forget your sins, right? Third beef, wooden Cyberman. Too many questions for the 250-word <laughs> limit. 
Force beef. Are all the papal mainframe forces fighting the Daleks alongside... Are all the papal mainframe forces fighting the Daleks alongside the Doctor actually Dalek agents? Thought. How many times has he been tricked and a cyber... And a Dalek stalk has come out of their forehead? Nifty. Yeah. For an episode four. Anyway, the reveal of the crack being the Doctor's worst nightmare in room 11. What a letdown. He doesn't look remotely scared. Should have been the Candyman. Look at the fear in the... Seventh Doctor's eyes. And Michael has provided (laughs) a screen cap of Sylvester McCoy. Wow. Yeah. I thought that Clara's shock was total i was wrong i can't wait to get to sylvester mccoy (laughs) (laughs) summary better than i remembered and he gives it a rating of 2.8 out of 5 sickly sweet dickensian christmas villagers being vaporized that's 2.8 is better than you remembered (laughs) goodness michael an excellent mini review as always thank you michael well done old chum for more Michael content, you can follow him on Twitter at bad underscore movie underscore club. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Hey, Michael. Next up, we've got Trenton Bless. Hello, Trenton. Bless you, Trenton. <laughs> Trenton says, it all started with Matt Smith announcing his departure from Doctor Who. Stephen Moffat already prepping for Matt in Series 8, and he had to wrap up his era in less than an hour. Oh, is that true? What? That's not a lot of notice. Moffat thought he was going to get more time with Smith, so and he, he was taken by surprise. Mm. Don't, don't these actors have contracts? <laughs> <laughs> don't they talk to each other? <laughs> anyway, Trenton continues, so we got this. All the issues I had with Matt's era are amplified to 11 with cringe comedy. Most notably the part where the Doctor is naked. Rushed storylines, underdeveloped characters, and references everywhere. Clara is still making sad goo-goo eyes over Eleven, which is annoying. Hmm. This really feels like this is a full season's worth of story in one episode. However, this episode is redeemed by the last third with old Eleven. The clock tower scene with the Daleks and the Regent and the regeneration scene itself. This is what this episode should have been. It should be somber in tone and just be dripping with this grim atmosphere, similar to Logopolis or even Caves of Androzani. Androzani. Then the regeneration got to be epic. Matt's final speech at the end is good. I would have cut the Amy stuff, but that's just a tiny thing. Even the quick snap regeneration into Capaldi was good. Overall, it was okay. Like I said, the issues from the last few years were amplified, but the last third of the episode was good enough to make up for it. So that last third is what everyone is going to remember. It was perfect. Farewell, Matt Smith. Enter Peter Capaldi. 3.0 out of 5, says Trenton. Nice one. Very I'm, nice. I'm liking this trend. These <laughs> good scores. Yeah. Thanks very much, Trenton. Wholeheartedly agree regarding the Amy stuff. Uh, peeps who are not Trenton, fret not, you can follow Trenton online. Be inspired. Check out at Trenton Bless. That's blessed with two what's, Jim? Cables dangling out of Handel's head. Very nice. <laughs> Just on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Shall we see if our next reviewer continues the trend, Drew? Yes, let's see, Drew. <laughs> This Go one, on, this one comes from <laughs> Star Wars Hill, Star Wars Hill, Star Wars Hill. Hello, Star Wars Hill. Hi, Star Wars Hill. Here we are at the end of the crack slash silent slash question arc that began with Matt Smith's first episode, and here ends with his regeneration. The question is Doctor Who. Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> and the question was only dangerous because of the answer. And the answer is only dangerous because it would be a 
the homing beacon for the lost Gallifrey. And the return of Gallifrey is only dangerous because it would restart the time war, which would end in the silence of all things. And the question is the first ever question because the cracks are through all of time. So there's a crack somewhere before the first people had a chance to ask a question actually relevant for their situation. Dobble. Did I untangle it correctly? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I've got no advance on that. I'm going to say yeah. So, Clara circumvented the question being answered, so once again, silence did not fall. That said, this episode felt surprisingly powerful. I really liked Tasha, and I liked that they brought back the melody from the rings of a carton. (laughs) The wake-up melody that the child sang for the doctor's goodbye to Amy. Okay, so what is the relevance of the wake-up for that scene? I mean, it's a nice callback, but what? purpose is it wake up as in the doctor who's reawake is awake he's almost falling asleep and that he is almost dying and a new life oh okay yeah Yeah. bounce back yeah okay (laughs) and star wars still is quite excited for capaldi Mm. us too aren't we just Mm -hmm. (laughs) i still feel suspicious about whether the multiple season plot feels satisfying or if it feels like what the doctor described in this episode a lot of words bluffing, there is a plan, then talking, uh, taking all the credit at the end. But this episode did feel triumphant, and I love it. So 4.8. <gasps> oh, yay. <laughs> Great rating. Marvellous score, Star Wars sale. Yeah. <laughs> Trend ruined. Loved it. <laughs> and an excellent mini. It was good. Please tell Star Wars Sill how incredibly good this mini and accurate this rating <laughs> may or may not be. <laughs> head on over to Twitter and say hello to at Star Wars Sill. Next up, last up, we have Kyle Wrath. Fear, Fear the, the wrath, wrath of Kyle. Kyle. I got it right first try. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He's been practicing all week. Oh. <laughs> hello, Kyle. Kyle says... I really wanted you to say, hello, Khan. (laughs) (laughs) On the fields or snowdrifts of Trenzalore, at the fall or wobble of the 11th, when no living creature or reanimated Dalek thingy can speak falsely (laughs) or fail to answer, a question will be asked. More to follow on that. A question that must never, ever be answered, even though for plot purposes it will be, sort of, in a hand-wavy bullshit kind of way... (laughs) Silence will fall in line behind the doctor <laughs> when the question is asked or whispered creepily through the wall of an Adobe church in a solitary town in the ass end of space. <laughs> so say we all. Skip to the end, sort of. All threads lead back to Trenzalore in this blowout Matt Smith finale in true Moffat style. Of course, the Doctor got more lives. Of course, Amy Pond gets a cameo. I'm not crying. You're crying. How much timey-wimey does it take to cook a turkey anyways? The sonic screwdriver still does not work on wood of any kind, especially wooden cybernetic beings. The TARDIS, whilst flying through the vortex, in no way would have caused multiple versions of Clingy Clara to be tossed off to save earlier incarnations of the Doctor. That's way too crazy. Kyle gives this a score of 4 out of 5. I hate Capaldi's entrance. He adds, he needed something more. Everything else was lovely. Noise. <laughs> Noise indeed. <laughs> I misread that. I thought he'd given him a 4.5. Oh, okay. Not a 4 out of 5. Thank you. So- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I told you, Kyle. Great, great score. <laughs> 
and a, a wonderful mini. Thank you very much, Kyle. High five Kyle online and tell him we said hi. He can be found at Sinister Super Spy. That's super without any what's, Marie? Is it vowels? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. And that is it for Listener Minis this week. What have we got coming up next? First, a Classic Who episode, namely... Horror of Fang Rock. Which looks badass, based on Google image search. After which, we will be uh, returning to Matt Smith, in fact, with a bonus episode in our... 11th Doctor Retrospective! After which, holy moly, it is Capaldi o'clock in... (gasps) Deep Breath. And we'll do an audio review of Nevermore at some point. <laughs> in the meantime, however, you can say hello to us online in one way or another. Uh, Drew, you are on Twitter, I believe? I am. Followers, new followers are typically following me for about a week at the moment. <laughs> so <laughs> join in with that at Drew Backwern. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent branding. <laughs> My Paul is dead conspiracy theory really alienated the fan base. <laughs> Marie, you are not on Twitter. Well, if people can say hello to Marie regardless. Whether uh, she likes it or not, <laughs> just at least uh, ask her first. <laughs> ping an email to whobackwhen at gmail.com and we shall pass it along. Jim, you are on Twitter, however, correct? I am, yes. What's your handle again? I always forget this. It's Jimmy the Who. Jimmy the what now? No, no. That's right. Jimmy the Who. I am going to register Jimmy the what now at some point. <laughs> <laughs> also excellent branding. And I am at Pumpkin. Less excellent branding. You figure out the spelling. Thank you so much for listening. You've been a lovely audience. <laughs> Until the next time, rock on. Be right next to each other and cha-chow. Bye-bye. Toodles. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?